Hello and welcome to the unofficial, unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. And welcome to 2014 while we're at it. Uh, it's ridiculous that we're now going from talking about last season to last year. Uh, although technically I guess they mean the same things. Thank you very much for joining us today. We are quite excited to have a very special guest here with us. Uh, and I will let Sarah introduce you all to her. Oh, hello. Hello. Happy New Year. Yeah, today we've got one of my favourite cyclists in the whole world. Um, we've got Marine de Vries, who you will know from her fantastic blog, her superb Twitter, her great racing and general wonderfulness. Welcome. Welcome, Marine. Oh, you just flattered me too much. Thank you. <laughs> now, just before we uh, we started recording, I did promise that I would um, I would mangle my formal Dutch, my my extensive library of formal Dutch, and uh, and attempt the one of the two sentences that I know. So, uh, is everyone braced? You ready for it? My apologies to uh, to all my Dutch speaking friends and acquaintances, but here oh, we I go. I can't wait. Who had het met u? Oh, heel goed. Dank u wel. Ah, dank u wel. I think there's a slight problem with your only Dutch phrase you know is a question. Yeah, yeah, I know. Ex I expected something totally rude. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, well, no, see, like, uh, like I said before. Because that's what we teach to foreigners. <laughs> yes, no, I, well, see, I was taught by an Australian girl who lived in the Netherlands for... Uh, for Several years when um, she was younger, her father studied um, his master's and doctorate at the University of Wageningen. And um, sorry, where? The University of Wageningen. Wageningen. Yeah, ah. yeah. And so she lived there for I don't know four or five years when she was sort of um, quite young, and um, and learnt Dutch then. Uh, so she probably had less incentive to teach me something really, really dirty. But Which I is utterly disappointing, to be honest, now that I reflect on it. Uh, when we're offline again, I will teach you something dirty. <laughs> no, you should do it. You should do it online at the end of the podcast. Teach Dan something dirty as a way to finish our first podcast of the year. Okay, oh, I promise. Excellent. Okay. Excellent. So, Marine, how are you? And how is 2013 for you? Uh, I'm very fine, thank you. I'm in Girona at the moment and uh, it's been brilliant weather for weeks already. So I'm really oh. enjoying my uh, training and preparation for the next season. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm looking back on uh, actually the, the best season since I, since I started cycling. So uh, mm -hmm. can only get better and I'm really looking forward to next season. Oh, excellent. Oh. That was one of my main questions for you, uh, the, particularly early 2013 uh, in you know, the start of the Spring Classics was just such a fantastic run for you up until, I, well, I guess Flanders was a bit of um, unfortunate luck in that you got caught behind, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. you know, someone, someone coming off. Um, but you had a great run of races through there. Is that the same sort of goals that you've got for, for this season? Uh, absolutely. Um, of course, I'm in a new team now, Argo Shimano, um, and a lot of races uh, will be racing for Kirsten Wild. Uh, mm. But in, especially in spring classics, classics, you never know how it will turn out. So uh, I just hope to be uh, in the final as much as last year. And uh, yeah, whenever I've got the chance to uh, try something myself, for sure I will try to. Um, oh. Last year, I really surprised myself in spring classics and uh yeah it would be great to repeat that this year 
See, one of, one of my favourite, favourite moments was in the Ronda Van Drenthe when you were in that final, in that breakaway and, you know, going through, was it you going through your home, your home roads and how did that yes. feel? Uh, it was amazing. I never did Ronda Van Drenthe before. Um, it was just, yeah, it was the worst day in the season, I think, <laughs> with and two degrees and it was so cold and horrible weather, but I, I haven't felt it for one minute. Uh, mm. we, we went through the town I uh, grew up in and all these people alongside the road, they, they knew I would be there and they were, they were shouting my name and it was just, yeah, it was amazing. It was such a good experience. <laughs> and you, you, you coined the term frozen eyeballs for us, didn't you? You introduced <laughs> us to the concept. I think the term already existed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's a technical medical term. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's not necessarily something... I guess it's one of those classic sort of cycling things, though, isn't it, where at the time it's probably just utterly horrible, but then it becomes a bit of a badge of honour that, yeah, man, I rode with frozen eyeballs. Like, <laughs> Makes you tougher anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was in a open news blood. It was uh-huh. such a horrible cold day. Actually, even that day, the, the people uh, who uh, know about the weather, they, they told people to stay in because it was too cold to go outside. <laughs> uh, it didn't rain, but it was like minus, I think, minus five. But there was such a cold wind, it felt like minus 20. Um, and we had crosswinds all the time. So the wind came behind my cl- glasses, um, which uh, kind of froze my eyeballs um, Halfway in the race, I thought, hmm, uh, I'm, I'm seeing blurry, what's going on? I thought my, my glasses were dirty. I tried to clean them, but it didn't get any better. And the moment I passed the finish line, I realized that I only saw some kind of mist, a bit milky. Uh, and it took me um, about two weeks before it really uh, got better again. My eyes were very red. Um, and I went to a specialist, and he uh, showed me that, um, the the skin of the eye I don't know if that's the word in English but the the, the tissue it got loose a bit so that <gasps> had to heal again and Ooh. that's what they call frozen eyeball wow <laughs> that's, so, can you're can so I just tough. ask yeah and and now that you're um, you know living and training in Girona and spend uh, you know run into uh, more of the male pros every now and then do you do you sort of start to go the you know Yoko Teutenberg sort of thing and just be like come on you pussies you're not tough enough you know i've <laughs> i've ridden with my frozen eyeballs and you guys were complaining about milan san remo and that's just nothing <laughs> now, actually some of the guys had frozen eyeballs too in omloop at newsblood so i can't I can, <laughs> hardly tell them, I can hardly tell them that they are pussies <laughs> uh, milan san remo must have been horrible we raced uh, the week after trofeo alfredo binda which was mm. almost as cold. We had also snow alongside the road, and uh, that day it was also two or three degrees, a lot of rain. Mm. And that race, I was totally frozen, and I can only imagine what it must be like to, to race when it's truly snowing. It must be horrible. I, I don't understand how they, when they got on the buses and then got off, I just wouldn't have got off. Mm. I'd have hidden myself in no. the toilet or something and refused <laughs> to come out. I, don't understand. I mean, I, I'm sure both of you have, have experienced what it is to be really, really cold. Once you get into the warmth, it mm. just, it's such such pain in your hand and your feet when they warm up again. Mm. I just can't imagine going out again and doing it again to yourself. <laughs> no. yeah, yeah. 
but I mean, I think that's another key factor of of last spring, though. It was it was unseasonably cold late into the year, and it had a huge impact on a lot of races. Um, it was insane. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, what's your read on the the European weather so far this year? I mean, I know we're not quite at spring yet, but is winter <laughs> is winter seeming more mild, or um, yeah. or do you think it's going to be another long, slow decline out of winter? I've got actually, I've got no idea, but I heard I heard specialists say that it might be a very cold and long uh, spring again. I really don't hope so because last year it was just horrible. Before last yeah. season, I've never ever raced in leg warmers uh, before. And last season, I did it a whole spring, and it just doesn't feel like proper racing. Mm. Mm. But I think I think that was another thing that was that was really interesting for me because when you had those really great results in the early spring, you were doing it in awful, awful weather. I mean, is this one of those things where you're actually better in the you're better when you're hating it more? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I've got no idea. I always thought that I was really bad in the cold and in the rain. Um, but last spring, I wasn't as bad as I always thought. And maybe it had also to do with I started the spring a bit, now not overweight, but a bit more heavy than I wanted to be. Um, and I think <laughs> in the end it was beneficial because um, I could handle the cold better than a really, really skinny girl. <laughs> you had a layer of insulation. <laughs> Not a really big one, but yes, some of it. <laughs> marginal gains, marginal gains. Yeah. So, Wanda Van Drenthe, you were you were eighth in the you were eighth in Drenthe, in, and that's such a I think that's such a beautiful race, and for it to be the Dutch World Cup as well. What what are your other highlights of 2013? Actually, my whole spring was a big highlight. Uh, mm-hmm. Before last season, I never knew I could do so well in one day races, and especially in these really hard classics. But mm. I, yeah, I've kind of discovered myself as a classic rider, so that was so good for my moral and also for my self-confidence as, as a rider. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been ben- beneficial to my whole season. Uh, yeah. And after, I think for me, the biggest highlight was competing in the Worlds because that was my first time and it was a really big dream. Um, yeah. It was an awesome experience, although we didn't do so well with Lotto Bellisol. It was just so amazing to be there. Cool, yeah, cool. and you rose. Um, and I, I think because I mean, you'd said in one of your blogs that um, it hadn't necessarily been the happiest year the year before for you. No. <laughs> so I was so happy for you to get that confidence boost because what you were writing about sounded horrible. Yeah, I I had to deal with a uh, with a DS who didn't have any faith in me and who, who told me. From the beginning of the season on already, in February, when we went on training camp, he said, up to me, you wouldn't have been in this team. And then it's really hard to uh, yeah, to keep going. And he kept on telling me that through the whole season. Um, and if you hear that every week, it's just so hard to, uh, to keep com- confidence in yourself. Mm. Uh, luckily, mm. I had some people around me who uh, who helped me with that and who keep kept telling me, no, you, you will do well and uh, you will show them that you can race. So actually, last spring for me was also a uh, sweet revenge. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, a great vindication. It's I, the best I, way to, to tell just to, uh, to do some great racing. And uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, that speaks mm. just so much louder than words. Mm. Mm. So how did you, I mean, how did you get through that? 
because it must have been so tempting, especially when you know you've had a really good career in in in, in your other life. What what kept you riding? I just didn't want to give up. Um, I think I'm not the kind of person who gives up easily, um, mm-hmm. and I also knew I could better, and I um, I wanted to prove that. Yeah, I mean, it would like it would feel like giving up if I would stop and uh, uh, think uh, that the people who uh, were so negative were right. Mm. So that, oh, that actually so- kept me going. And also, I had this amazing coach, Ingrid Paul. She she used to be a speed skating coach, and I think she also was the one who pulled me through it. Uh, she could see what I was doing every week, how my training sessions were going, and she said, you're so strong, you just don't have the opportunity to show it now, wait till next season, and you will you will see that you will do so much better, and she was right, uh, and I think she was uh, one of the most important persons to me uh, who helped me. Mm. Well, uh, speaking for the, the two of us, we're also glad that um, that you kept going. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can honestly say, just as as fans uh, from the side of the road, it was just really exciting seeing you know, a, as you described it, you discovering that classics writer in yourself. It was just mm-hmm. really cool, and I think it was an exciting part of your journey as a cyclist, like. Like Sarah said, um, you know, you've you've had a successful career already in in uh, a different part of your life, and so it's kind of really interesting watching uh, your journey in cycling and uh, and that sort of thing. And that kind of led into you know what I was wondering about, which is what you see as the the goals for yourself over the next couple of years. Yeah. Um... People keep asking asking me that question, and it's just for me. It's just very hard to answer. Um, I want to. The thing I want to do this season is improve on my time trialing. Uh, I did some pretty fair time trials last season, mm. um, and I think uh, I can get much be- better, especially in this team where there's all the technical and all the uh, there's there's a lot of support and a lot of people who can uh, who can help me. Um, one of my dreams is competing in the world as an in individual time trialist once. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, for now, it's it's just a dream. Um, and yeah, all the go- goals uh, this season are um, being as good as possible and having some cool results with the team because I think um, in the end, cycling is all about teamwork and I really ri- like to ride for uh, a team and to, to do it together. It's so satisfying to... Um, to see how if, if if it works when you when you ride as a team and uh, I don't even have to win myself I just love it to see if someone else ends what I started. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that'll be. I mean, do you, do you know what you're going to be riding yet? Like when you're going to be starting your season? Yes, I know already. Can you tell I us? I don't know if I'm supposed to tell you, but it's in <laughs> Qatar. Oh, have you have you ridden Qatar before? No, not yet, and I'm really excited. I'm so excited for you. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to go. It just looks so much fun. I mean, I always remember Iris Slappendale's sort of comments about Qatar about how, yeah, if you swap the sand for grass and the camels for cows, it's just like racing at home. <laughs> I don't know if the racing will be so exciting, but I'm really looking forward to the whole experience. I've heard about yeah. the hotels, and it must be amazing. And I also think. Racing in that area is just, 
It's just a once-in-a-lifetime experience, so uh, that's why I really want oh, to be there. I'm so happy because last year Qatar was one of my favourite moments. It was such a nasty February and it was mm-hmm. cold and miserable and all the cycling news was about Lance Armstrong. And then suddenly, yeah. every day, when you had Kirsten, <laughs> you know, racing against the entire of so, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that would be so so interesting because she was so strong and brilliant last year. (laughs) It must be. I think she's staying strong and uh, I hope she will will be as brilliant as last year. Yeah, and and what I loved was it had had that really interesting thing about Argos where, you know, she was good by herself and then on the last day, the teamwork was just superb. (laughs) Yeah, true, true. So you can be part of that this year, and, and, and you can blog about it too, which is like the best thing too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also looking forward to that, to share some stories about this strange part of the world. I mean, I, yeah. really, wonder, I really wonder what men think of us there, over there, because they hardly ever see women in uh, hardly any clothing. <laughs> yeah. So they must think we're a different kind of species, I don't know, because it's not allowed over there for women to... Uh, to wear bib shorts and uh, these very yeah. tight jerseys, so I really wonder how they how they handle that in their minds. But I think I will never find out. It's just interesting <laughs> to see. Yeah, and I think it's also you know when you, when you have that. I mean, that was the funny thing was the fact that Al Jazeera, um, uh, you know, a, an Islamic TV station, showed us more women's racing than any yeah. of the British TV stations. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they, they have that moment where you're on the podium getting your flowers from a woman in a full, you know, in a, in a full, in full robes. <laughs> That's just so awkward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, I mean, that hotel, because last year, I think it was last year or the year before, the Oracle girls did a video showing people around their rooms. And it was just like, it, it seems like it's a completely different world for women cyclists, that you're suddenly having this oh, lap of luxury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think it's for, for male cyclists because uh, they're not sleeping in very luxurious hotels when they're in France. It's mm. just something in, uh, in in Qatar and Oman and those countries where you are in, uh, in uh, five-star hotels where they come uh, to your room at night to help you with your bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, must be oh, really no. interesting. <laughs> and what, what else are you looking forward to this year? I mean... Ideally, if you could make your own program, what races would you ride? Uh, I already know my program until June. I'm not going to tell you too much about it because yeah, yeah. it's not official yet. But I'm really so looking forward to, uh, to the Spring Classics again because mm-hmm. last year they were so exciting uh, to me. And uh, actually it was also the first time I was really there in uh, the final of a lot of races. Um, so with that experience from last year, I hope to do even better this year. So that's why I'm looking forward to the Spring Classics. Um, I'm also looking forward to the Nationals, as always. Uh, the time trial, I, yeah, that would be one of my, my goals, to, do, uh, to be uh, as good as possible. And of course, the Worlds again, the team time trial, that would be awesome. Oh, and you went to the Giro for the first time this year, didn't you? No, it was my second time. Oh, was it your second time? Oh, I'm so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like, I mean, how, what's the Giro like to ride? Uh, Giro is also a highlight. Um, 
for me as a more or less domestic rider, it's last year's Giro was not so exciting because we only had uh, stages that ended in a bunch sprint and stages for the real climber. So mm -hmm. uh, I could only be a helper. Um, normally there are also stages where, where they let a breakaway go. Uh, that would be perfect for me. But uh, last year, uh, the Giro was okay, but not super exciting. I'm... Uh, but I'm looking forward to it again. The amazing thing about Italy is that there's such a big crowd. Last year, I couldn't believe my eyes, especially uh, at the start of the first stage. There was this square and it was packed with people. And it's also so cool. They broadcast the race every day for one and a half hour. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we, we feel kind of famous in Italy when we race there. <laughs> mm, as you should. I think, I think we need more <laughs> of that, don't we? Uh, it's yeah, interesting, but, actually, yeah, between so. between Qatar and Italy, we we start to draw a picture of what what the future of women's cycling should look like, don't we? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, what would what would be the the one thing that you would change right now um, in terms of you know more races or races in different parts of the world or um, TV coverage or or whatever to help improve women's cycling? Um, I would want the UCI to demand all pro tour uh, race organizations to organize a women's race alongside the men's. Okay, cool. cool. That's it. That's a good start because uh, you can't ask for media coverage uh, straight away. Um, I think it has to grow and um, you already see in uh, Ronde van Vlaanderen and uh, Flash Wallon that the media there, uh, the audience is there, and although we don't get so much TV coverage, there is TV coverage, which is much more than in a lot of other races. And I also think for uh, the audience at home watching TV, it's interesting to see girls ride along a course they know from a men's race. So mm -hmm. uh, I think people should always be able to... Um, relate to what they see and the only way to relate to a bunch of girls you don't know is maybe a familiar course so I think that's that's a big step forward if that would happen mm. Mm. I mean and it must be very interesting because obviously you started off your career in radio and you worked on TV as well didn't you mm -hmm. as a journalist yes. and, and a producer yeah. so you you must have such a different idea about media than someone like me who just <laughs> You know, just just watches it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> everything should be on all the time. Yeah, but, but that seems to be really interesting about you because you're making your own media at the same time, and and you know you seem to be. It it, it seems like you've got quite an interesting, unique role within women's cycling. I mean, does, does it feel like that for you, or does it just feel? <laughs> no, I've got I've got to say uh, the thing that. That struck me the most when I got into women's cycling was that there is uh, this total lack of coverage. Um, and I think, um, as a journalist, I think women's cycling deserves so much more coverage. There are so many um, um, misunderstandings. People still think that we are a bunch of girls with fat asses only racing each other, uh, whereas we, we are... I think we are true athletes living 100% for our sports and riding as teams, making exciting races. Um, and, and that's where I, as a journalist, where I think that uh, we deserve to get more media coverage. 
But on the other hand, I also see it doesn't bring anything to keep on complaining about the lack of coverage. Um, I think we should share our stories ourselves and ourselves and, and show people that it's interesting to follow us. And uh, that's why the social media are so perfect, because uh, we can share our stories. I think people only relate to you if they know you a little. Um, mm. If you if you just complain about the lack of coverage, they will only think, oh, those whining girls, <laughs> mm. let them do their thing, I'm not interested. So uh, that's what I try to do at the moment, to, to share as, as many stories as possible, and I hope people will get interested. Now, have, have you been surprised with your blogging, uh, uh, people's reactions to it? Uh, well, actually, I started my blogging just to inform my family and friends in which crazy world I, I ended up. <laughs> uh, I never intended to become a, a big women's cycling blogger or um, even uh, well-known within the cycling community. Uh, but once that started to happen, I really have uh, some sort of responsibility because I think... As an educated journalist, I know how to tell a story, um, mm. whereas other girls might struggle with that. So um, I think I should use these qualities I have to tell people more about us. Uh, yeah, like mm. I, I just said, I hope uh, people will get interested if they read my stories. Oh, and absolutely. People, yeah. uh, I hope I will make people want to follow us more. Um, and as soon as people start to demand for more women cycling, that's where also TV stations will consider to uh, broadcast it more. Mm. Mm -hmm. mm. One of the things I find amazing about your blogs is how regularly you tell stories that, you know, even even uh, someone like myself who's, um, you know, a, a pretty engaged fan uh, these days, you, you tell stories that I don't know about, uh, and and you know constantly teach me new things. Although I have to admit, sometimes your score, your stories are absolutely horrifying, um, <laughs> like like the one about you know the weird emails and stuff that you get from guys. Um, I mean, it all sort of makes sense once you're aware of it. But but when I when I read that one, I was like, oh my god, wow! It must like that's just a weird part of of you know, cycling and I guess being a, a professional athlete um, and, and someone who's sort of, um, you know, a little bit famous, but I hadn't really thought of. And it was just, it's just really weird to me that people feel entitled to write to you like that. <laughs> Still a bit weird to me too, but I'm getting <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I for one, I will stop asking for unwashed skin suits, so... Uh, thank you. You are the one who asks me all the time. Uh, my lawyer, my lawyer says, don't answer that question. So, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, I was um, one of my friends on Twitter, Babalia. She wanted me to ask you: Do you ever get indecent proposals from women fans as well as the men fans, or is it only the guys? No, it's only the guys. I've never had an indecent proposal from a girl. <laughs> would would you really. would would you be more inclined to to answer yes? I'll be waiting on my bed in a tiny negligee if it did come from a, a female fan. I mean, should we be encouraging <laughs> the ladies just in the interest of equity, or no, no? Don't have yeah. to answer that. I'm just I'm just being stupid. 
No, no, yeah, no, no, I, no, I don't think uh, it wouldn't flatter me more. No. Okay. <laughs> and have there been any blogs? Have there been any reactions to your blogs that have surprised you? You know, anything that's been popular or unpopular that's been strange to you? Um, actually, most of the re- reactions are surprising. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes I'm just so naive that I don't really think of any reactions and then people start to react like crazy and I'm like, wow, they actually read it. <laughs> <laughs> I know this sounds stupid, but I still, I still forget that people read it, what I write. And actually the most uh, awkward thing that happens to me now is if I meet someone who follows me on the social media, uh, people tend to know so much about me uh, because they follow me, <clears throat> and for me that feels uh, pretty weird, actually. But on the other other hand, it's it's what it's the result of what I do. But I still uh, have a hard time realizing that people actually read it. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. I, the one the one that I always the one that I always share is your how to pee for women, because there have been so many times that people say, you know, <laughs> men say women can't ride the Tour de France because they need <laughs> bathrooms, and I just send them a link to that. <laughs> That's the most shared blog I've ever written, or in this case, uh, drawn. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I was going to say I think the graphic definitely helps tell the story in that one. So <laughs> it uh... still happens to me every time when I write with new guys this is the first question they ask how do you pee <laughs> and now I don't have to now I don't have to answer anymore I just send them a link to the blog <laughs> <laughs> I, and, I, and I loved I loved I think it was your one about being stopped by a train with all the little white bottoms shining in the sunshine <laughs> so that was so there. funny it was in a Giro three years ago yes and all there, there was this big audience alongside the road with, um, with uh, uh, food and they were just uh, enjoying the sun and the race and all of a sudden there was this, this uh, um, I don't know the words in English, where you have to stop for a train when a train yeah. passes. And yeah, in, in Italy, you know it, will, it, will, it can take quite a while before the train passes. So all the girls <laughs> just threw their bikes on, on the road and... <laughs> And went for it at the side, and all these people were like, "What are they doing now?" Oh no, they're all it was like I think there were at least forty girls sitting at the side of the road peeing. <laughs> so yeah, I think um, that must have been pretty awkward to these people. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the side of women cycling that not many get to see. So you know, yeah, edu- no, educational, I'm sure. Cycling, so it's nothing strange. Mm. Yes, I mean, in men's cycling, you see a lot more, don't you? <laughs> they just don't of... show it on TV, but yeah, guys pee too in the race. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think what I love most about your blogs are all the kind of stories and the things I haven't thought about. I mean, the other one that's really important to me is your one about food, about, you know, about how, you, know, about how you eat and the problems with food and mm-hmm. things like that. And I don't think I've ever heard, in the men's peloton either, people actually ever being as honest about what what it's like you know your recent column about doping Mm, about mm. the fear of you know fear of accidentally eating something contaminating or you know talking about talking about watching women riders who are you know obviously clearly anorexic and shouldn't be on their bikes it i think that's a really interesting thing for me because you don't hold back (laughs) no but i (laughs) think uh, we are we are talking about it amongst each other but i think (laughs) 
uh, the only way to change it is to be open about it. Mm. And these yeah. are really things I, I would want to, to get changed. Um, it's such bad advertisement for our sport if uh, a girl who is way too skinny wins a race. Um, mm. And I also want to tell people that um, cyclists have feelings and fears too. Um, the thing with the, the doping, it's, it's always so people consider it as... Uh, sometimes I've got the feeling people don't, don't think of us as, as human beings, that we can be scared of what we eat. And that's what I, I try to, to, uh, to get some awareness for that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the points that you make in, in that particular article, which is quite important, is, you know, for example, um, you know, vitamin pills and, and medicines that, that there can be cross-contamination uh, because the same machinery can be used to, to process and, and package up different yeah. types of things. So you could, in, in all innocence, accidentally take something that's completely legitimate but, but slightly contaminated by yeah. something that's a not. A lot of people don't know that. They mm. just think of doping in terms as uh, black and white, but mm. there's this big gray area where you can take things you're not aware of. Also, uh, um, what I also wrote that two years ago, they tested 28 people coming back from China, just random tourists, and 22 of them were positive on clenbuterol. So I think a lot of um, mm-hmm. uh, just normal people have banned sub- substances in their bodies as well, and they just don't know, and yeah. they, they don't even realize that it's so easy to mm-hmm. dope because that's what they do in terms of athletes. Mm-hmm. I, I actually think you make a great point in that article as well, that um, if the UCI, you know, and, and it's a healthy goal over time for the UCI to want to help make cycling more of a global sport and open up new parts of the world to cycling. Um, but I do, think, I do think you make a great point that with that, there should be, uh, you know, part of the, the organisation or structure of those events um, should be to make sure that there are non-contaminated food sources um, for for teams and cyclists if they're participating. Yeah, I, I just don't want to go to those countries and uh, be afraid with everything I eat. And that's what's mm. happening now. Mm. Uh, yeah. it's, not, it's not only me uh, who thinks that. I've, I've talked to a lot of cyclists about this and also a lot of male cyclists. They're just truly terrified of something wrong they're not aware of and uh, if they test positive for that it's just career over life over uh, the consequences are so big mm. um, that I think if the UCI wants us to race over there they should at least consider doing something to make sure the food is okay mm. and you don't have to worry all the time yeah yeah, yeah. Or, or kind of test it themselves because that's you know that's the kind of thing you think is if it's if if it's so yeah. predominant then test it and show, yeah, this was the food we gave them. It had a beef broth in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. I mean, you're dependent yeah. on, the, on the food the race organization gives you. Um, and you can't take food with you for three weeks. No. So mm. uh, you have to eat what you get there. Um, and I think it's, it's fair enough. The UCI or the organization makes sure what's in the food. And if there's something in it which is banned officially and riders get it into their bodies, they should be excused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Now, changing the subject slightly, but still staying on food and races. <laughs> it was an interesting year this year, what with things like the tour of Languedoc-Roussillon and stuff like that. <laughs> but what was, yeah. what was your off-the-road most fun thing that you had in cycling this year? Ooh, ah, that's a tricky one. Um, <laughs> I think for me, it was being in a Belgian team. Anyway, <laughs> that was so much fun. Um, people always think, and I always used to think, that Flemish, uh, the Flemish are so simi- uh, similar to the Dutch, but they aren't. <laughs> the language uh, is actually pretty different, and also the, the attitude is different, and I had so much fun discovering that. It was just, yeah, I Ooh. love my Belgium teammates and the staff, and I will really miss them because we had so much fun for that. Who's, of misunderstandings. <laughs> <laughs> who's who's better at uh, at swearing, the the Dutch or the Flemish? I think the Dutch are better, but the Flemish are more original in swearing. Okay, okay. And who's better at dirty jokes? Uh, the Dutch are better at rude dirty jokes, and the Flemish are better in uh, make it a bit more um, what's the word um, subtle. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> and what what were the other differences? Give us an example of a uh, give us an example of how of how they of how it was, how the Belgians surprised you. Ah, uh, but that's hard because uh, most of it is language. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I really didn't know exist the existence of or. Uh, okay, this one example. Uh, it's the Dutch word for uh, for uh, taking a crap. <laughs> it's, it's poepen. Yep. But in in Belgium, it means sorry for the root word. It means fucking. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine what happens if you first talk about pooping. <laughs> oh, I really need a poop. Oh my god! <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Very very different reactions from your your teammates uh, there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Quite funny, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty awesome. I have to admit, I'd be pretty much destroyed if I had to work in an environment where, um, you know, those those two words were confused. I mean, <laughs> I I yep. am a prolific swearer, and um, and I'm getting pretty good at it these days. So I'd be in a lot of trouble there. <laughs> uh, luckily, I, I already knew the, the the meaning of that word in Flemish, <laughs> but it's still, I mean, it's so funny when you hear someone talking about open and they mean the other thing. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you looked, I mean, I think one of the things you've always made it seem is all the time you've been racing, you've always been very good at showing us the kind of team fun. <laughs> like you've always, you've always just had that, that, you know, you always with your, with your, photos and you know your little tweets and stuff and I thought like the highlight this year was you guys dancing at the Giro yeah (laughs) yeah that was so good that's true (laughs) whose idea was that who chose that song Uh, obviously my nuts teammate Carly Taylor (laughs) I think you've got to be Australian to to choose a song like that and if it was about if it was about fat asses and she has the skinniest ass I've ever seen so (laughs) Be funny. <laughs> did you did you plan the dance in advance or did it just happen? It kind of happened. I think uh, Carly also started it, and then uh, some of us joined her, 
and then in the end we uh, we all did it. <laughs> so it's all it's all Carly's fault though. That's uh, that's where we're laying the blame. Yeah, a lot of so the fun was Carly's fault. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but Dan, Dan, you know we always have to blame the Australians. Yeah, no, that's that's perfectly fine. You know, as long as you give us our breakfast beers, we're happy to cop the blame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so so when you were if you were like sitting in a bar or or you know in a coffee shop and you were looking back on the reminiscing on last season with with you know with with other riders, what would you be? What else would you be talking about? As do you remember that time when? <laughs> yeah, there. Were, I think there there are a lot of uh, things to look back on. The bad weather is always. Uh, it's always good to talk about, oh, do you remember the bad weather in that race? Yeah, and then we had that race and it was awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, that's one of the things we uh, we look back on with um, a mixture of uh, happiness that it's over and fear that it will happen again this spring. Mm. Uh, but also, uh, yeah, the thing that happens into the longer dock where we arrived at the race and they said they told us there was no race at all and mm. uh, yeah the first stage who got uh, skipped and uh, yeah that was just an insane experience yeah. um yeah we've, we've been talking about that a lot um other things yeah i think for 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 us a giro is always exciting and uh, we like to uh, look back on that um <laughs> Got to think hard now if there are any more. Yeah, Tour of Ardèche is always also always uh, something we uh, keep talking about because it's it's such a dangerous race. It's it's a bit like mm. uh, what happens in Tuscany, mm. um, where there's not enough uh, guards to uh, to clear the roads, um, and in the end there are so many cars all over the place, and if you if you ride down a mountain and uh, a big big truck or a big bus uh, just uh, comes around the corner, it's oh my God. really tricky situations uh, can happen, and uh, it, it happens a lot that it that it uh, mm. uh, stays okay, and uh, that's where we also uh, talk about. Do you remember that big truck there? Oh yeah, yeah, she almost crashed into it. Yeah, but it just didn't happen. Yeah, fortunately. Yeah, those kind of things. Oh, wow. Oh, it makes me shudder. I mean, I, I think one of the things I liked this year was um, the protests, like the riders not putting up with it at Languedoc and also at Tuscany. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I was so proud and I can completely understand why some riders, you know, some teams, you know, pushed on, you know, and, and you know, the, 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 it wasn't as yeah. easy as everyone doesn't ride. But I was just so proud of you all, you know, all the women. I was so, so <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> I think we're showing more and more professionalism. Mm, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. there are just some circumstances we don't want to go along with anymore, and uh, I hope that we'll continue next season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think it's kind of put down a real strong marker. I mean, I know, like, I know that the um, that Fanini was trying to get the Italian Federation to sanction Elisa and Noemi and Georgia, and they've said yeah. no. And that's a really important message too. I'm, I, I still yeah, want to hear the UCI's statement about Toscana, but you know, one day. <laughs> <laughs> the well, list I have, of I have high hopes with uh, Brian Cookson. I think he's starting off pretty well when it comes to women's cycling. So I really wonder what we will do in future for us. 
Yeah, it, I mean, and it does feel like it's changing for the better. Yeah, you know, so it, yeah. it, you, there are little there are little things like taking away the age restrictions straight away was such a small thing, and and yeah. yet it, it's sending a signal. You know, this is important, and you know, there's there's little, it's nice. I like it. I feel happy and positive about 2014, whereas you know, <laughs> I was a bit scared about 2011, and you know what would happen. In, mm. You know, it, it it's it's mm-hmm. it just feels like a good place. I, I think it will get better. It takes time, and we shouldn't be too uh, impatient. But I think mm. it will get better. Yeah. Now, I wanted to ask you about moving to Girona. Yeah, you can. <laughs> What's that been like? And um, what? Why? Tell me. Tell us everything about moving to Girona, and and what difference it's made to you. <laughs> well, actually, this is my third winter here already. Uh, mm-hmm. Only difference is that I'm staying longer every winter. Um, <laughs> Is that just because the winters get longer, or? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's just because I uh, I have more um, opportunity to stay here. Um, the good thing about being still being some sort of journalist, I only write columns actually at the moment, is that I can do it anywhere. So I don't need to be in the Netherlands. And uh, last winter, I really found that. Uh, being able to train here, making really long days in the saddle, uh, helped me to to come out the winter so much stronger. Um, mm. So that's why I decided I wanted to do that again. And I can already feel that it's uh, very beneficial. Um, it's not it's not super warm here, but it's dry almost every day, and the sun is out almost every day, and that's just such mm. uh, good training weather. Mm. Um, I also love the city and I love the the surroundings. You can do every kind of ride. You can go to uh, the flatlands. You can uh, you can do hilly rides. You can do go to the mountains. And there are always uh, other cyclists around who you can do rides with. Um, back home, I I used to train by myself all the time, and actually I really like it to uh, to uh, ride along with other cyclists. Mm. Have someone to talk to, and um, and occasionally David Miller's ankle to be distracted by. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, I've got to say it's it's very uh, uh, stimulating to uh, to even ride with the the world top meal cyclists, um, and especially here in winter, we all do long rides, and uh, I think uh, when it when when we hit the spring, they will be too strong. I can't follow them them anymore, but. Uh, the, the group rides, uh, they, they welcome anyone. Uh, so uh, it's, not, it's not as if they don't want, to, uh, they, they don't want girls to come along. Um, mm. So it's, it's inspiring, actually. Mm. Do you find that they also start to learn more about women's racing and, um, and follow along and, and know what's going on? Or? Yeah, for sure. And what really struck me in the, my new team, uh, we already had one training camp, um, the guys really know us, and um, uh, I still feel there are a lot of uh, guys who look a bit down on women cycling. Mm. But in our team, Argo Shimano, uh, the guys they they know that we train as hard as they do, and that we uh, live a hundred percent for our sport. We always have training camps together, so they they can really tell what we do, and uh, uh, I really like it that they respect us for that and mm. uh, they know we make uh, so much less money than they do uh, but they also know that we totally uh, live for it and um, uh, yeah I, I can feel their respect and that's 
where I think, okay, this is also getting better. We get, we're getting more respect for, from the guys, and mm. as soon as they start to respect us more, uh, they're also willing to do some um, advertisement for us. Yeah, well, and, that's that's part of what I was thinking. Really of. good. Yeah. Which which was the Argos rider last year? I think someone asked him. One of the Argos boys was asked who'd win between you and Kirsten. And he said, well, I'm probably stronger than her, but she's a much cleverer racer than me, so she'd win. <laughs> I don't I remember, can't remember it. But, yeah, I I think, yeah we, we really know each other. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's, it's so cool. And, and I think you're absolutely right. You know, I think of, um, like, just on the, on the American side, when you've got young guys like, um, like Taylor Finney, who's just such a big fan of women's yeah. cycling and so vocal in his support and you can see the sort of ripple effect of that where his attention draws attention from from yeah. other other fans who might not have looked at women's racing much before so yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah. i mean taylor finney talking about toscana as being a disgrace and saying well i was there with my mother and you know and on the roadside and it was just unacceptable it was such mm-hmm. such a strong thing because yeah, just just it just makes a difference. You know, no one can say whining women if one of your stars is saying if you're you know, one of your heroes is saying that was ma- that was bad, man. Yeah, exactly. Or if one of your heroes says that uh, some of the female riders are such great athletes. Yeah, that's where you. I think that's where you want to see what they are doing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Now, I I had a question. What's it like going back to a Dutch team? after Lotto Uh, and why did you leave Lotto (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah going back to the Dutch team it's uh, for me uh, I like it Uh, this team is founded in the area where I grew up and where I live now so Mm -hmm. uh, I really know the attitude and the mentality which is uh, very uh, easy going for me Um, and I left Lotto actually because uh, the support I get with Argos is so extremely professional. We get the same bikes and the same technical support as the guys. And, and I've got a coach who follows me every day. Uh, I didn't have that at Lotto Bellisol. And I don't have so many years left as a cyclist. I just want to be as good as possible. And I thought uh, I, could, I could, could get to that better when I uh, ride for Argos instead of Lotto. Mm. And I mean, I I thought you said at one point that you were planning to give up after 2012. Is that true, or did I make that up? <laughs> I said that yes. But, uh, <laughs> 2014, and I'm still here. Mm, yeah, you're running. You're just <laughs> running late. It's not that you were wrong. You're just just running a little behind. I mean, do you do you look at this and think actually it's you know do you, do you think of it in those terms, or do you just want to keep going as long as you can at a high level? Uh, yeah, it's it's a difficult thing to say. Uh, this moment, I take it just uh, a year at a time. Um, mm-hmm. I want to start a family once, so I can't go on as long as I want to. Um, yeah. At this moment, I won't start a family, so I'm still racing. I, I can't tell you what I, I will do next year. I might be racing, yeah. I might be retiring. I, I just can't, I, I don't know it myself, so... That's yeah. why I take it a year at a time, and just after every season, I uh, I make up my mind and I see how I feel, and uh, if I still improve, and I do, I, I still improve a lot every year. Uh, it's it's uh, very tempting to uh, to go on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's 
it, it, it must be very, that's one of the things that the men don't have to do. I mean, you know, Jens Voigt can have 59 children and you know, still be riding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I wanted to ask you also, did David Miller ever say anything to you about that blog? Did he read it? I don't know. He didn't talk to me about it. Has he, has he so written he with you again since then? That's, that's probably yes. what really yeah, tells yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, we wrote together. Uh, no, he didn't talk to me about it. He might have read it, but I, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I really want to know what he, what he thinks or mm. what he would I mean, think. <laughs> have you ever had anyone kind of, you know, take offense at something, you know, if they saw themselves in one of your blogs, even if you didn't name them by names? Or, or you know, I mean, what, what did your DS, did you ever hear what your DS said about, you know, you talking about your bad experience with him at a drink? Or other art, I drink riders. No, actually, uh, yeah, I've heard he didn't like it, but that's pretty obvious. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, but then again you, you weren't super close to start with, so it's not like you burnt the bridge there. No, and, and uh, I also think uh, it's his own fault. You just don't treat people that way in general. Mm. Uh, yeah, and yeah. when you do... Uh, Oh, I'm sorry, but I'm 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 always very straightforward um, and outspoken, and I just <laughs> tell people about it. And I I didn't I didn't want to blame him. I just wanted to explain what it make what it make me feel like. Mm, mm. Mm. <laughs> and do you have? Did anyone else? I mean, do you ever have writers? I don't know. Uh, either saying, "Look, I'm really glad someone's saying that," or saying, "Oh, you shouldn't be saying that sort of thing." No, actually, um, during races, some of the riders uh, come over to me and, and talk about things uh, I wrote, and especially the the non-Dutch girls. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they they really like it. Emma Johansson uh, comes comes up to me now and then and says, "Yeah, that you wrote about that and that, and I think it's really good you did." Uh, for example, the the food thing and being very skinny and having to deal with that. Mm. Uh, she yeah she said it's really good someone someone just talks about it because uh, like i said before it's the only way to uh to find a solution um mm. well and i also think it's a, it's an important part for the the fans and the public too to hear those stories and and be made to think of things that we're not aware of on the surface you know yeah 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 maybe but what i wanted to add is normally when i when I write, write, uh, write specifically about uh, a cyclist or someone else, I always send my column before publishing it to that person to make sure mm -hmm. he or she agrees on it. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's important. I don't want to make enemies and uh, I also want people to know that I write about them on beforehand. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I, think it's, I think you're right. You know, it's... You're, it, it's not like you're writing your memoirs from retirement, you know, where oh. you, you're secret tell-all. You know, this I is. I still have to. I still have to uh, to get along with the bunch. So mm, mm, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and they can make it pretty un. They can make it pretty unpleasant, can't they? If they don't, if they don't want you there, <laughs> they're yeah, not going to help you. For sure, but I've never experienced any kind of those things. So. Uh, I think I haven't offended anyone till now. <laughs> <laughs> till now. There's still time. <laughs> and I, are there any plans for any more books? Because you had your book with Ninka de Jong, didn't you? Mm -hmm. 
Yes. Um, we're talking about part two, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, we're both so busy. Um, at the moment, we don't have time to write it. Uh, yeah. We're getting a, a German translation of the, that book. Uh, oh, it will fantastic. be published in uh, autumn, and we're still looking for an English publisher. <gasps> so I really <laughs> want it. I really want. I really, really want to see it. I just, it just looks so. It just looks so interesting. Um, for people who aren't Dutch and don't know what the book's about, just give us a one sentence description of what your existing book is. Well, it's called. <clears throat> it's called a woman and bike, and actually, it's a it's a handbook for women who want to uh, start riding a race bike just for fun. Um, We've mixed it with a lot of our own experience and we try to write it in a more or less funny way and to explain the technical stuff uh, in a very easy way. Uh, and it's been a pretty, uh, pretty big success in the Netherlands. And I think there are more and more women who just want to, uh, to ride a bike. Uh, so uh, in bike shops, there are still a lot of guys who start talking about the technical stuff and never end talking about it again and a lot of women don't are not interested in that they just want to know what kind of bike they need what they need to mm. wear what they need to eat so we try to explain that mm. and um with your dutch sense of humor <laughs> <laughs> with our dutch straightforward sense of humor yeah yeah because that, that seems to be I mean I never really knew Dutch people until I got into cycling but that's the thing that always strikes me is you guys are always so so straightforward <laughs> and so frank <laughs> oh you think it's a bit too much <laughs> no I love it it's perfect I was just wondering what it's like in a team you know if, if, if when you fuck up in a Dutch team if all the other girls just tell you actually I think that's better than uh, if, they, if they talk about it behind your back and you will never hear it yeah, and just yeah, eat yeah, it. Yeah. I like it if it's straightforward. I mean, mm -hmm. after a race, we can have a we can have a big discussion, but once we we've had that discussion, it's over. Um, I like that approach. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now I've got one more question that uh, my friend Dave asked me to ask you. So, since you've been cycling, um, since you've been a pro, what's been the most fun? I've read that question already, and I've, I've I've thought about it, but it's also so so hard to uh, to answer. Um, I think the most fun is to be able to ride my bike at these stunning places like here or in other countries, um, and to be able to see things hardly anyone will ever see, like in the worlds. Uh, we rode our bike along the Duomo in Florence. Wow. I think, I think only the cyclists who race the world will ever do that. Mm. I mean, normal people will never ever ride a bike there and it will be packed with people anyway. It was packed, but just at the, uh, alongside the barri barriers and we could, we could go straight on. And for me, that was just such an amazing experience. I think it has to do with all these unique experience, experiences which other people will never ever have uh, and I really cherish them. Oh, oh well, well, thank you. I want to say thank you so much for bringing us with you on our, with, with, bringing us with you on your journey because it's just it's so exciting and I can't wait for you to do more blogs. Mm. <laughs> More blogs in the rain, <laughs> <laughs> and and for a much uh, a much uh, 
continued progression in the in the 2014 season and and a much warmer spring i think for you this year i think you've earned it no no you see or I maybe think, not I think... because i was uh, so good in the call maybe well, it's just okay. what i was going to say okay More but maybe frozen... maybe with less frozen eyeballs then okay that, that's good <laughs> let's give her we'll, we'll need to kind of make some kind of scientific um you know divide between frozen eyeballs but still cold enough for her to be brilliant <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to work this out between us, Dan, and kind of come, yeah, up, we'll with have to come, come up with a theory. Um, yes. So we're going to put links to. <laughs> so we're going to put links to all your blog is at marijnfiest. I can't say it. How do you say oh, that oh, word? It's at marijndevries.nl. See nl and your marijnfiest on Twitter. Marijnfiest. <laughs> Feats. Okay, I'll put links on our blog prowomencycling.com and we'll put links to videos and stuff that you've been in and things that we like and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, um, um, your final job is to teach Dan something filthy. <laughs> and, and then to be fair, explain what it is afterwards. <laughs> I already taught him something filthy. True, true, you did. But um, I think Sarah wants you to give me an entire phrase or sentence. Oh, my God. Uh, I thought the sentence you would have learned, because that's what we apparently teach all foreign people, is neuken in the keuken. It makes no sense at all, and we never, ever say it, but it means fucking in the kitchen. <laughs> So, Dan, Nurkin in the Kirkin. <laughs> I think it's just because it sounds so funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, do that again in Australian? So, well, yeah, okay. Nurkin in the Kirkin? I said that. Yeah, oh, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Well, excellent. I look forward to the next yeah. time I find myself in a Dutch kitchen, I guess. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how the girl would react. I think you get a slap in the face. <laughs> oh. Well, he's now he can he can ask a question he doesn't know the answer to. He did that he can't understand answers to, and he's got you know words for words for every occasion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so true. So well, because I'm sure he can say dumb you well. <laughs> please tell me uh, once you've used that phrase. <laughs> well, apparently, I'll, uh, everyone will be able to tell from the visible scars on my face after being slapped so hard. So. Well, thank you so so much for coming on our podcast. We really really appreciate it, and good luck, good luck, good luck, good luck, good luck, good luck, good luck in 2014. I hope you have a really exciting and fun year. Yeah. Thank you for the interview. It was nice. 